This is Fun Fact. Our correspondent from Germany, Mark <laughs> Devins, has joined us, traveled all the way to gather facts yeah. from Germany. Welcome, Arik. What is the situation on the ground there? Uh... I'm I am on the ground. I guess I'm on a hill. Does that change things? Uh-huh. Yeah, and then on the news, we really are mostly interested in the ground, <laughs> in the exact position, its of location, me. the grade. As I, yeah. Well, I'm in a bit of a I'm in a hilly area. Composition is it loamy? Hilly, okay. With, surrounded by woods. Uh, is it like a clay? Cool. Tell us about the aquifer. <laughs> But the question is, did you bring a fact? Wait, I'm sorry. What are we doing here? Eric, we spent $4 million sending you an entire team of researchers to Germany. <laughs> $4 million. All I ask is at least one, Four our Patreon money. Oh, okay. Do we, are we supposed to have a Patreon? I don't know if I'm, are we violating the podcast code by not having one? I don't know. We don't anyway, have, this is incredibly expensive. Yeah. Uh, okay. So fun fact, despite being used by 10% of American children in any given week, there is no good evidence that cough medicine reduces coughing. <laughs> really? There's no evidence, no yeah. good evidence. No good evidence. That cough medicine re- even reduces coughing. Not that it doesn't cure anything no. or that it's not advisable, that it even does the thing that is in the name. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> I think this is this is like maybe a follow on from a I'm pretty sure we went into cold medicines ineffectiveness corner. Right. We're back at cold medicine corner. Only now we're focused on the very narrow subset of like OTC cough medicine Mm -hmm. that you buy often for children that there is just no science behind (laughs) at all. (laughs) So like so there have been many studies done. For, uh, one, a 2014 Cochrane review concluded there is no good evidence for or against the effectiveness of OTC medicines in acute cough. That there's there's a lot of evidence that many cough medicines may be no, no more effective than placebos, even in adults. But the uh, they are especially not recommended in children. And the American College of Chess Physicians emphasizes that cough medicines are not designed to treat whooping cough. Well, no okay. over-the-counter cough medicines have been found to be effective in cases of pneumonia. And they are not recommended in those who have COPD, chronic bronchitis, or the common cold. So basically the main reasons you Basically any reason you're coughing, you don't want to use cough medicine. So that seems problematic. So going back to like our back in time to our episode where we discussed cough and cold and various other like cold medicine failures. As I understand it and, and recall, there are basically two medicines two medicinal active ingredients to get put into quote-unquote cough medicine right uh which one is this guaifenesin which is the like supposed to help you cough out things out from right. your lungs supposedly right. that's a... and then there's the dm dextromethorphan dextromethorphan so which is dext... the one that's like supposedly supposed to stop you from coughing yeah. but does so, it really do so anything dextromethorphan which can be very modestly affected for effective for adults who have viral infections Hmm, okay. But it is completely ineffective for children. Um, so so even the, the weak evidence is like, I don't know if this really does much. Even for kids, it's even worse than that. Well, even worse. Codeine, which, you know, is maybe an older thing you would get in cough medicine, mm-hmm. has also shown to not be particularly useful, especially for children. 
in placebo controlled trials isn't it also kind of addictive yes <laughs> so ineffective and addictive yeah and and other things that have also been shown to be not effective include antihistamines decongestants benzotate and various expectorants so basically it's a sham <laughs> it's a complete sham we uh, um, the... <laughs> we have a general sense like in medicine where there's this placebo effect yeah. of if you give people a thing and it makes them feel better, then did it even matter, right? Right. Um, right. But then according to the FDA, and if you're actually a scientist, that's a huge problem because like in order for you to recommend taking a medicine with an active agreement, it has to matter like in a, a non-trivial amount more than the placebo. Right. Right. Yeah. Which makes sense to me. And so you have like, okay, well, if we just give you, you know, sugary syrup stuff that tastes mm-hmm. slightly bad, mm-hmm. and then we just tell, especially for kids, because like one thing about kids is you can kind of just tell them anything, right? Yeah, very suggestible. I don't know. If, I don't know what the moral guidelines are about telling a kid that this is going to help their cough, but it's very gray. It seems like that might be the the new product line you and I need to develop. <laughs> In the get them to stock it in the cough medicine aisle, yeah. and it says right in the bottle, does nothing. Does nothing. We should call it does nothing. Kids can't. Does read. nothing. Yeah, but kids can't read. Yeah, and so I mean, I guess maybe over a certain age, but like it says, it does nothing, and it tastes sweet and and kind of a little gross, but not so gross they don't want to take it. Just a little gross, but they can still do it. Gross enough that they feel like maybe it does something. Feels like it's medicine. Yeah. 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 I looked into the alternative remedies, by the way. Oh yeah. Well, a lot of people like chakras. They 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 swear by honey. Okay. Like but, honey in a tea is a common thing you hear. Yeah. But it can cause botulism in small well, children. Well, yeah, honey's that like not that's like for little young babies. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, for really small children, yeah. Is the concern with botulism that like any honey can cause botulism and is really bad if a baby gets botulism or is it that babies are particularly prone to getting botulism from honey? I have no idea. What is botulism? (laughs) (laughs) Botulism is a rare and potentially fatal illness caused by a toxin produced by the bacterium Clostridium botulinium. Okay. Okay. Making progress. Yeah. I don't know anything though about. And I'm not going to do the. I'm not going to do the. I'm not going to do the uh, panther thing of just saying something and hoping that I'm. Just make some claims. Yeah. Then come back next time. I guess it gives us content. Yeah. yeah, isn't that how it works? <laughs> Just make claims. I felt really bad when I was watching, you know, CGP Grey. Maybe we talked about this a little bit, but he does these uh, educational YouTube videos where he researches the topic. And he had a video where he got a bit of it wrong. Like a bit he, of it very awkwardly wrong. Yeah, awkwardly wrong. But like almost all of the video was like interesting and still relevant. But like yeah. it was like he thought Doesn't the topic matter. was something and it was slightly uh, incorrect. And so yeah. he wrote, he like fell on his sword and did this whole video about how ashamed he was that his like experts that they sourced to verify the claims hadn't caught this right. like one error. And like <laughs> here, here we are. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> well, I, we're not claiming to be educational YouTubers. I mean, I think that's really no. That's a very high yeah. bar. <laughs> By the way, echinacea, vitamin C, and zinc are not recommended for treating colds. Is echinacea? Does echinacea do anything at all? Well, probably not. That's what I'm saying. I don't know, yeah. but probably yeah. not. Even with all of this, and this is where you really are onto something with your business plan, because several billion dollars are spent mm-hmm. annually in the USA yeah. alone for over-the-counter cough medications. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there's a 
a skepticism on along a lot of people rightly about alternative quote-unquote alternative uh you know naturopathy right mathematic things and and homeopathy and stuff like that but if you were just going to go straight to the heart of it and just call it placebo juice placebo juice tell your kid it works placebo's we'll workshop the name placebo no no definitely not so Um, what 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 you by the way what you are better off doing if you have a cough hmm. is to get a cough drop or a lozenge like a topical really relieves the symptoms Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. like a you know like a halls or something like that cough drops in fact date back to 1000 bce in egypt's 20th dynasty what 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 are they made of then where they were made from drumroll please Honey and flavored with <laughs> citrus, herbs, and spices. Okay. Okay. So yeah. maybe there's something to the honey thing. Yeah. I think you just don't want to give it to small children. You just get the no botulism kind. You, yeah. You yeah. get the <laughs> honey now with less botulism. You just check on the ingredients. Yeah. You just make sure it's not listed. Or at least not first. Yeah. You could have it be like fifth, but you don't want botulism to be the first one. Yeah. I think they generally say the, the top two or three ingredients, you want to make sure that they're no botulism non-bacterial (laughs) (laughs) and by the way it's i found this along the way it's it's actually a really good thing that cough medicine doesn't work because your body needs to actually cough the stuff out otherwise like what is just going to produce more and more of it and your lungs are going to pretty much what coughing is a is a necessary method by which the body eliminates the mucus that's built up in your lungs and Mm -hmm. respiratory Mm -hmm. tract and if a medicine could stop you from coughing it would kill people because the mucus in their lungs would become infected uh-huh. and there, there is no way to get, there's, science does not have a way to get infected mucus out of your lungs. Right. You can't just vacuum it so, out. <laughs> so like OTC cough medicine would kill people. Right. Yeah. There's also a sub fun fact here. To, to be clear though, that would, that's cough suppressant because there's also like cough, oh, yeah. like at least the idea of cough, yeah. uh, like expectorants, which try to get the stuff they, out. They increase the amount of coughing, but no, but no cold medicine. I think you talked about this in your piece before. No cold medicine actually reduces the length of time you have a cold. No. no. So it's really all just like, about, you know, there is one exotic cold medicine that does maybe reduce the amount of time you have a cold a little bit. It's called sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, apparently pseudoephedrine was useful in some way, but now you can't even get that over the counter. So what you buy over the counter is this, the replacement thing that is like complete nonsense. So yeah, where they, but, which they should just get a deep hook up to our new thing. Placebo juice. Yeah. Placebo Coming juice. soon from fun fact. It'll be cheaper and they don't need to have, you don't have to talk to a pharmacist. No, you buy you as just, much placebo juice you as you walk in. Want. You don't even need to go to the pharmacy. The more you take, the better it works. Yeah. You don't even have to go to the pharmacy. You can just turn on it your... It comes in 10 flavors. Turn on your tap. <laughs> no, no. Take anything no, out of your fridge that's liquid and drink it. Placebo We juice. can take that... Apparently, there's research that um, the placebo effect is different with different colors of uh, pills. Is that true or is that just something you're saying now because it's funny? Okay, well, I believed it was true, but now anytime you doubt me I have, and I don't have the fact in front of me, I have to admit that I don't know for sure. That I have not like double blind verified this my, fact my, recently. My work but here is I done. believe in my research about coldness and okay. that I came across yeah. a credible source that was saying that the placebo effect is yeah. different depending on... That's which fascinating. makes logical sense because the placebo effect is entirely psychosomatic. So Placebo. Yeah. Right? And so if it's like, okay, well, I, you're trying to... Uh, help pain and there's two different right but that is that per person 
Uh, it would be cultural, presumably. Yeah, yeah presumably. Um, but in the populations that they were studying, where they were trying to understand the placebo effect, because the placebo effect is a big problem when you're trying to like produce a drug that helps people but mm. you have to it has to be a certain percentage more effective than the placebo and mm. so if green placebos are like less effective than red placebos you can imagine them wanting to do the trial with a green pill right. then like then it's like okay well what's the difference i don't know if they're allowed to do that in fda trials but yeah i don't know maybe they're just all plain pills or whatever but like if you if your goal is to have a pill that uh helps people then you would want to have the placebo color that's more effective but if your goal is to prove that the active ingredient does something you would want like a boring pill right okay the 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 ways of the ways of you know massaging science to make what yeah and like you you could definitely use that for nefarious purposes but you could also just use it for science purposes yeah i'm already imagining the nefarious purposes yeah. But in the end, when, once you have figured out which active ingredients do and don't make a difference, for example, with dextromethorphan, it seems like it does not make a difference. <laughs> but once you've figured out which ones do and don't make no. a difference, then you still want to give people a pill that helps them. Like, I don't I don't th- I don't think it's immoral at all to use the placebo effect so that when people take your pills, they feel better than they would. Oh, yeah, totally. We're going right? to color placebo juice in whichever color is the best. Yeah, that science says will make you feel the best. That's right. Clearly. Do you want to hear my sub fun fact now? Okay, yes, please. Okay. (laughs) So in the 19th century, physicians realized that morphine actually did stop coughing at the brain point. Oh, okay. All right, well, we solved our problem then. It was, well, it was the active ingredient in the original cough drops made in the U.S. starting in the 1850s. Mm. But unfortunately, eventually it was, of course, discovered that it was incredibly addictive. But... Heroin was believed to be a non-addictive alternative. <laughs> so starting in <laughs> to like be clear, the eight- heroin is more addictive. Right. So than, starting in yeah. the late mm-hmm. 1890s, it was marketed as a cough suppressant. A cough suppressant. Not addictive. Yeah. Unfortunately, it breaks down into morphine once it's in your body and is incredibly addictive. So heroin is addictive via the morphine like certain sort of act like a uh, mechanism. Yeah, I think if you're if you're just using heroin as a as like a medicinal thing, I think it's that that's the biological reason. I think heroin is also, at least in a drug sense, it's phenomenally psychologically addicting as well. Right. Right. Even more so than morphine, huh? Um, But so we kind of have to slightly correct your original fun fact. It's not that cold medicine is completely ineffective in children. It's just that the only cold medicines we know to be effective in children, we should be not giving, not be, we should definitely not be giving children morphine or heroin or heroin. Yeah. You heard it here first friends, but also if we were, we would be killing them because again, you need to cough if you have a cold. Yeah. So there's two reasons to not give children heroin. Yeah. At least, (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like we're helping people here. Oh, yeah. They're, we're helping them make good parenting decisions. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, and I can't I wait. think, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's a good parenting decision. I haven't actually personally looked it up, so I don't know if I want to, <laughs> like, completely Well, but I'm looking for you. I'm looking for your uh, uh, drug and parenting co-Venn diagram related fact. Okay, I'm just going to, just to make sure that we're not off in the rock, should you give, give your child heroin? Heroin. Yeah, that didn't autocomplete? Doesn't not a lot of results. It should just be a box on the Google or DuckDuckGo that just says no. Google doesn't because some of the things where there's a really clear answer, you you type yeah, it they in. They should have a box. Google will just say it says no, no. But here it's just like <laughs> no. 
what you need to know about heroin. What do mm. I do if my child is using heroin? But it doesn't directly. Know anything about heroin. So right we might now. need to do some more research. Okay, we'll do some research. We're going to preliminarily say <laughs> no heroin for children, and then yeah. if that was, yeah. we'll do a follow up. If that just was children, obvious, though, right? Yeah, well, like we're you and I, we could just right now we could just take take a little consenting a little, adults well there's i know there's uh, some progress towards the decriminalization of certain certain drugs i don't know that heroin was the one they were trying to decriminalize <laughs> but you know well, well i mean there's there's like kind of the two phases and now we're getting way 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 we off topic. need to we need to stop this one before we go any farther down this road well no just to, i just want to make sure everyone knows that we know that there's the there's the movement to allow certain drugs like hey you right. can go use versus decriminalizing cannabis if you want and we're not gonna discourage anyone other than like right. public health reasons and right. then there's the okay we all agree that nobody should be using heroin but if you do do that how about instead of throwing you in jail we try to yeah, yeah. it's the redefining of drugs as a medical problem instead of a yeah. a legal problem yes the war on yeah. drugs is over that's but yeah like news. somebody's comment the other day uh the war on drugs is now over. Congratulations to drugs for winning the war. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> As has been true since the beginning of time, drugs won. Yeah, drugs won. Yeah. But hopefully we can uh, we can come up with some better tactics for that. Yeah. I have a maybe, probably not drug-related fact, although, I don't know, maybe drugs were involved. Probably not. That's fascinating. I can't wait That's now. That's a possibility I hadn't considered. Yeah. But maybe. Yeah. Fun fact. Medieval manuscripts often depicted scenes where armored knights did battle with snails, and we don't know why. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Before I even hear any details about this, are you not the same Alan Pike co-host of Fun Fact who does not like it when I have facts where we do not know why about something? I am definitely that, and I was inspired by you, and, I, and this one... Like, I know you often go into the don't know why, and I bug you about the, well, yes. if we don't know why, but, but I felt like this one had enough kind of interesting side things. Mm-hmm. And like, like often to me, whether or not we don't know why something is the case, right? how interesting that is, like that can be inherently interesting. Right. R- right. Like if I was to say like, the moon is made out of cheese and we don't know why. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe a true thing, right? Um, hey, well, what are you trying to say? Right if we were to say like the the the, Thim- the Simpsons theme song is in the mm. key of G and mm. we don't know why, yeah, it would be like okay. I mean, we, we could don't care why probably either. ask Danny Elfman or we don't, no 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 right. It's not that weird that we don't know why. No, right? that's right. Um, my password generated was QXL explanation mark right <laughs> blah, blah blah blah. But we don't know why. Someone go steal Ellen's account. <laughs> Right. But this one, I thought it was interesting that we didn't know why, because apparently it was like a quite common, like to me, there's, I guess the, the like things that were well known at the time, but then yeah. lost. Culturally. Yeah. So what I'm getting from this is that when Alan thinks that something we don't know is interesting. When I have a fact that we don't know why. <laughs> then it's interesting. But when I think it's interesting. <laughs> so medieval manuscripts often depicted scenes. Knights, knights on, on, on horses and stuff with armor. Um, in the ones that I've seen, armor, not necessarily horses. Okay, but definitely like knights, like recognizable knights. Rec- recognizable, armored yeah. fighters. Okay. Chivalrous. Well-equipped, chivalrous individuals doing battle yeah. with snails. Snails? Um, How big are these snails? 
often roughly the same size as the the people that they're doing battle with. Okay, because yeah. otherwise it'd be extremely comical if they were just like <laughs> fighting. It was just know. like he has a lance. It's just like yeah, well. he's really just going to the ground, and there's just like a snail. <laughs> yeah. So as you may know, medieval manuscripts. Um, as they were done in the, you know, we're talking like 1100 AD sort of time frame. Yeah. Um, they were typically made by monks, hand lettering. They were, yeah. Scribed, scribed monks. Scribing yeah. these manuscripts, often religious in nature. Um, and they often had the margins around the text, which was like kind of beautifully and precisely lettered, had illustrations. Yeah, they're beautiful books. Yeah. They would have, in the, in the margins, they would refer to as marginalia. Um, and they would depict scenes and things, things, uh, and more grandly, they would refer to it as illumination. They would illuminate the manuscript with various things, religious scenes and stuff. Um, but what I, I did not know until recently was that like, I assumed the marginalia would be related to the text. Mm Mm-hmm. Like it would be like, oh, okay, well, that does seem logical. It seems logical, right? If I'm talking about, uh, you know, Christ being resurrected, then I will draw that here um, or I'll paint that here. Um, But apparently often and some of that is occasionally the case. And other times the marginalia will just be mundane things like medieval sorts of people doing medieval sorts of things. Bacon Um, bread. Yeah, that kind of stuff. But apparently much of it was like strange and seemed completely unrelated to what they were writing about, like animals doing unusual things, uh, like mm. Alice in Wonderland-y kind of scenes, uh, snail, the snails. Just bat- a creative expression. Yeah, creative expression, obviously, like kind of a little fever dreamy, like yeah. weird stuff. The snails battling nice was one, but like monkeys playing bagpipes was a common one. Rabbits just getting <sighs> up to mischief and doing things that rabbits don't do. Giant butterflies. What and don't just, like, rabbits do? what don't rabbits do um <laughs> yeah. one was like a bunch of rabbits ha- had captured a fox and they were torturing it oh i bet rabbits do that <laughs> <laughs> seems like the typical but yeah. you can imagine like a medieval Saturday. monk being like i bet the rabbits would want to do that yeah i bet the rabbits would want to do that yeah and digging into this a little bit more the the topics so there was like the weird animals and stuff like that but like yeah I was fairly surprised how often, apparently, the topics were pretty lewd. Okay. Like Even grotesque. in books drawn by monks. The, well, I mean, basically, all the books were made by monks, yeah, and they were almost surprising. all religious texts. Cause yeah, that's quite surprising. It was not considered... Uh, I, I don't know if it was, like, illegal. I mean, obviously, it depended on the area. and No, you're wandering into some by. dangerous... Ter- there definitely were copies of, you know, the... Canterbury Tales. I mean, that's later than the 1100s, but you know, Arthur Knight stories and stuff. They were definitely non-religious books. They were definitely non-religious stuff, but the at least the extant stuff, the stuff that has is still around from that time, um, is from what I could tell, mostly either religious or sometimes uh, bureaucratic in nature, like the names of like who uh, descended from who, who descended from who, or things like that. Are you talking Uh, specifically in English or just in any language? Um, the stuff that I was reading about was mostly French and English. Okay. Cause like, um, I, you know, the, there's a podcast that I, I listened to that I've used for research for on other times in this podcast called the history of English podcast. And they definitely talk about books, you know, written in English at various points like stories that are not religious books. Yeah. 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 And to be clear, it's not that there were never any, it's right. that, uh, from what I, that they were in the minority, they were in the minority, like by right. quantity, Totally, um, totally. Especially when you look at these illuminated manuscripts with the drawings, totally. they were mostly monks doing them, and they were mostly uh, like a really common one was a book of psalms. Okay. 
um, which is like a, apparently at the time in the like 1180 time frame, uh, if you were like a wealthy person and you wanted to get uh, you wanted to own a book which would be like a valuable thing to show how wealthy you were that you could have like all this time you could commission yeah you have like with two it. books and you're like a senior book guy who's just like killing it book wise yeah exactly you're famed and people come visit to see your book yeah like oh can i see the books yeah the book, right the book not even books, uh, the book, book. Yeah. um so a book of psalms which would be like you know various like uh it would be a religious book but not necessarily you know something with a variety of things in it and they would end up using those to learn to read apparently yeah cool um but my point of that is that, uh, and that kind of links to is like maybe why they weren't just like, like the monks were doing them, but then these other people were these like wealthy, like lay people, but like wealthy people were commissioning them. You would have these weird illustrations in the margins uh, that the that they had the monks doing. And like, so some of them were these weird animals doing things they wouldn't, animals wouldn't normally do. There was like br grotesque beasts with like, you know, like part naked people, uh, detached genitalia, naked, okay. fornicating people. That I'll send you a link of one uh, just from, from, I believe, a religious text um, of a bishop, a new. Nude, nude bishop chastising a defecating cleric. <laughs> I'm just gonna. That's not gonna be as funny as the what you just said, but it's gonna be funny. Well, I don't know. Like, take a. Oh, yeah. Is it what I say? Is it as described? <laughs> why? 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 Right? So this is well, why the I guy find who's, this who's who's relieving himself <laughs> uh -huh. has a robe on. Yeah, he's definitely a monk. And but the guy who's correcting him for doing this or or chastising him is is naked. Yeah, and I think it, like you could come, you just see the. <laughs> <laughs> you see this and you're like okay so this is a religious text that monks have written uh in like 1100 ad or whatever and then they've drawn they painted this scene of a defecating monk uh, and a naked bishop chastising him and it, it you can imagine lots of different reasons why that would be like maybe and the scholars debate about like why were these why are there disgusting paintings in these uh, spiritual uh, texts? Um, and the reasons include things like they were bored. Yeah, this is what I was going to say. This is the equivalent of a, like if a really talented artist teenager is in class mm -hmm. and just like drawing on the margins of their math homework. Uh -huh. And it's just like, what am I going to draw? I'm going to draw this. I'm going to draw that that friar that I don't like. The authority figure. In here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like you could even imagine that like the, the fact that this characters defecating maybe was added like by an, a later and that's sometimes um scholars especially apparently early on when they started doing more uh, rigorous scholarly research on <laughs> medieval manuscripts and looking into okay, okay i wanted my i wanted someone to be a rigorous scholar on monks pooping on medieval manuscripts <laughs> well apparently later. like in the 1800s people were so like offended by these <laughs> lewd drawings in the edges of of religious manuscripts they would just not even mention them in their study like they would <laughs> They would analyze the text and they would be like, and there was some marginalia. <laughs> yeah. Just like, we don't need to talk about it. Or they would assume, well, it must have been added by later vandals. No, but people back in the day, like the, the it's sort of like a, I think because the, the Victorians were like before us and the Puritans were before us, we assume mm, that like mm, everyone mm. in the past was super uh, prudish. But mm. in fact, they were a prude reaction to a society that was really not like i mean for one thing in the middle ages entire families slept in the same room at all times right right but more children were made 
So yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm just going to leave that They here. were aware of what was going yeah, on. Yeah, like we are the most prudish people. Like compared to those people, we are so prudish. Yeah. Yeah. And so you end up with people in the 1700s, 1800s being offended by the medieval monks' uh, doodles and paintings yeah. in the marginalia. And not wanting to talk um, about them. Of defecating monks and things like that. So we'll link up yeah. a, um, uh, some photos of this, uh, the snails battling and uh, monks uh, doing things that they probably shouldn't be doing in the the marginalia of these these books. But before we leave the topic, I wanted to at least share my pet theory of, or not my pet theory, but like I reviewed some various theories as to why uh, one of the more common motifs was uh, night battling a snail. Yeah, give us your your answer solve the mystery so there the, some of the theories included like maybe the snails are the lombards who were like vilified at the time for being treacherous supposedly hmm. um okay. but that was thought of as like but then the counter argument is like well why the sna- why are the snails often winning against the, <laughs> the knights in the in the drawings right so it's like okay and then also to be clear like this wasn't like over time occasionally this will crop up but like especially in this like 1100s t- time period there was a big wave where it became like a really common thing that would be in a lot okay. of different books um so there was like there was some it was fashionable for some reason um <clears throat> and then another one was like maybe the snail is like represents female sexuality for some mm. reason uh or maybe they just literally mean snails um mm. but my favorite was the idea that the snail was the common folk uh mm. and that the ruling class who were the ones that uh, often to have armor oh. you would have to be wealthy yeah um, yeah. And that was almost like a sign and sometimes a requirement of being yeah. of like if you had amount of land, you had to have a certain amount of armor and weapons in order to be able to defend it and whatever. And so that was that was the one that was most appealing to me was that the snails were the common folk and they were still able to, you know, withstand the armored. Oh, no. What am I receiving? here? <laughs> I, well, I just sent you a link to a trailer of a game on YouTube called Knights and Snails. Uh, OK, so <laughs> this validates <laughs> it's an iPhone game, it looks like. It looks like, yes. Yeah. Okay, unfortunately, well, it looks like the knights are not, are they're just jousting with other knights, not giant snails, oh, but they no. do have snails on their joust. Yeah, it feels like a real missed opportunity to me. Yeah, and then I feel like you need knights versus snails, like plants versus zombies, versus, but knights versus This is knights snails. and snails. Yeah. It just seems uh, less awesome to me. I also wanted to pass on, before we leave this topic, um, mm. the some criticism from the time of this okay. marginalia. Uh, famed monk Bernard of Clairvaux, uh, mm-hmm. Later, Saint Bernard, Famed. as he oh, became, okay. known. yeah, um, that's appealed to authority. So we know it's going to be, yeah, yeah we know it's going to be amazing. Uh, he said in the year eleven twenty five, where he asked, "What excuse can there be for these ridiculous monstrosities? One could spend the whole day gazing fascinated at these things one by one instead of meditating on the law of God. Good Lord, even if the foolishness of it all occasioned no shame, at least one might balk at the expense." <laughs> I just, I, that, I don't know, that tickled me. I like that. That's <laughs> That's lovely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm very emboldened to have more fun facts that have no resolution. Thank you very much. <laughs> I may regret this. <laughs> yeah. I think you already do. <laughs> All right. So moving on. Uh, fun fact. Many everyday words that we all know and use are actually eponyms. In other words, they are named after a specific person or place. Hmm, yeah, I come across this occasionally, and then like the original person or place it was referring to starts to fade away, and but we still will use that word to refer to, especially adjectives. Yeah, we all know that there are eponyms. Reaganomics is an mm-hmm. eponym. Mm-hmm. Right? We know that these things exist. 
you know, but, but I, what the cool thing, as you said, is that over time, there are lots and lots, turns out there's lots of words we think are just words that are to the thing themselves, but they were actually named after someone. So I, I, I put together a list of some of my favorites. Oh, okay. Excellent. Yeah. So first we have Boysenberry. Oh, okay. Which was actually named after Charles Rudolph Boysen. Discovered the berry. was the first person to breed it. Oh, I did. I, because I, I didn't know this either. <laughs> Boysenberries are a crossbreed made from raspberries, blackberries, dewberries, and loganberries. How long have these been around? And loganberries are also an eponym. They were named for James Harvey Logan, who first breeded them. Huh. I well, So how long ago did that happen? The boysenberry is from in the late 1920s. Oh, okay. So... Not a that long ago. than I expected, but yeah. long enough ago that it was probably impressive to be making entirely new kinds of berries. Yeah, they were just like crossbreeding. Apparently, that was a popular thing. Yeah. I just think it's funny that, first of all, boysenberry is an eponym, but then also boysenberry is a mixture of another thing that's also an eponym. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that happens uh, with, like, a, there's been a huge surge, as you probably noticed, in our lifetimes in apple varieties. Like, apples had kind of settled down as having yeah, just, like, a yeah. couple popular varieties, and they've just gone Tons of apples nuts now. with... Yeah crossbred apple variants yeah here's another one for you the cardigan steve cardigan invented sweaters <laughs> james brudenell seventh earl of cardigan uh, okay so he invented it after noticing that the tails of his coat had accidentally been burnt off in a fireplace <laughs> and he was like hmm <laughs> this is actually really cozy i'm just gonna keep oh. wearing it so so he accidentally invented a cardigan by having the coattails burnt off and he was like Huh, maybe we just don't just don't put them don't on need coattails anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Huh. Diesel, huh. like you know, the fuel mm. named after Rudolph Diesel, okay. and uh, who has has a crazy mystery death that would totally sidetrack this podcast. But we'll put a link in the show. We notes may have a future read, mystery death. Uh, could fact. read about it if you wanted to, or yeah, I could just do it another time. I imagine uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of inventions and technologies. There, right? But Diesel didn't seem to me like having not thought about it before. Diesel does not seem like a technology, even though clearly it is. Mm-hmm. Right, in the same way, go is long enough ago that it's just like, oh, yeah, that's that other gas that the car I'm driving takes. You know, yeah, right. Yeah. And you don't think of you know Joe Gas as being like the guy. Who, you know, <laughs> is is gas also an eponym? <laughs> I don't know, but you know what is pamphlet. Pamphlet. Okay, I yeah. would not have thought that. Yeah, so pamphlet was named after the main character in a play called Pamphilus Diamore. Okay. Which apparently the play was extremely popular and distributed on its own in like a slim codex form. Okay. And then that gave birth to the generalized term of pamphlet. How long ago was that? But the the pamphlet is from the 1380s. Oh, okay. Ah, so that's a lot longer ago. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So algorithm, something you use in your job. Named after Al Gore, who invented it in the 1990s. <laughs> Named for Muhammad ibn Musa al-Khwarizmi, who was an 8th and 9th century Persian mathematician and astronomer who is considered the founder of algebra. So he wrote a very popular book about algebra that started with the the words Dixit al-Gharizmi, which apparently means thus spake al-Khwarizmi. But the translator, when it got translated into some European languages, Latinized it to al-Khwarizmi, meaning the native of Khwarazam, which is a region in Uzbekistan that used to be part of Iran, to algorithmi, 
and eventually hmm. algorithmy became algorithm and it became used more and more generically over time but again it's actually a person huh yeah and then yeah. just evolves and and iterates into the language yeah yeah we'll do a fun fact at some other point about how basically any word in english that starts with al comes from arabic ultimately oh or... that makes total sense yeah i they, thought about that we have lots of words that start with al we do we'll talk about it at another time huh. so okay but uh boycott boycott this like, one surprised there me. was boycott. there was a really angry boy <laughs> no it's named after charles cunningham boycott who was the man who the first boycott was directed at oh okay all right so he so, what did he do we i mean i'm just asking for way too much detail in each one no i love but it. like what did boycott do that that or not only got him boycotted but that like so yeah. so vociferously that it created the idea of boycotting he was a tax collector <laughs> during the irish famine Oh yeah, that seems like an unpopular. <laughs> it seems like a very unpopular thing. And he was to be so doing. hated that he inspired the first boycott and the word for boycotting. Right. That's not what you want your name to be no. used for. Yeah. You know, people talk about having a legacy to be remembered, <laughs> immortalized. But he's not even remembered. Nobody knows this. No, it's like the worst of both worlds. Not only yeah. are you not remembered, but your name is like and your descendants forever. are like yeah. Mm, <laughs> so mm. here's another one that you're right is is technology, but I didn't think of it as technology hmm. leotard ah so the, the leotard is named for jules leotard yeah. who was a popular french trapeze artist from the mid 1800s before you ask mm. who mm. first made the garment famous by wearing it oh yeah get aerodynamics going on there yeah yeah next i've huh. got nachos nachos yeah so nachos are named after ignacio nacho anaya garcia so nacho was, was just the... like one of his middle names you know, he, it was his nickname. His name was Ignacio Ananya Garcia, and his nickname was Nacho. Okay, named after the triangular chip. <laughs> so he was the chef that first came up with the snack in a in the Mexican town of Piedras Negras okay. around 1940 when some local regulars asked him for some new kind of snack because they were bored with all the snacks available, and he, he took tortilla chips, combined it with melted cheese and slices of jalapeno, and invented nachos. Hmm. I'm I'm pleased to hear that nachos actually are like invented in Mexico and like so many things where it's like what people think of as Mexican food in America right. or Canada totally. is like, yeah. oh, some dude in Hawaii came up with this thing <laughs> and gave it like a Mexican sounding name. Shrapnel. Oh. Shrapnel is named for Lieutenant George Shrapnel of the British Army who invented what he called spherical case ammunition. Oh. But uh, that wasn't as clever a name, so they started calling it shrapnel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it, it ended up referring to what happens when it explodes as opposed to the thing itself. The, right? the ammunition, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting that shrapnel was a, like originally like an intentional thing. Like I think yeah, shrapnel yeah. is like something you do not want. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. Anytime uh, shrapnel is involved, I something has gone wrong. Now going to look down yeah. on this lieutenant. Yeah, Lieutenant George Shrapnel. Thanks a lot. Uh, here's one that might surprise you. Silhouette. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So Silhouette is named for Etienne de Silhouette, who was a French finance minister. Okay. Who was known for being so austere that his name became associated with anything done or made cheaply. Oh, I was th- I was thinking somebody who just cut a good figure. No, so he was he was so cheap basically that his name started to be used in France as a as a euphemism for just poorly made things. And mm-hmm. 
coincidentally, or I guess coincident to that, the this is before the advent of photography. Okay. And one of the best ways and cheapest ways to record a person's appearance was to make a profile of them by cutting uh, a black card out. Right. Okay. And so like that became known might, as a... A street performer or whatever might still do today, like a quick silhouette caricature kind of thing. That's right. And so it became known as a silhouette. Because it was a cheap way, as opposed to commissioning a proper painting by an artiste. That's right. You just got a lowly silhouette. That's right. Like this cheap finance minister who isn't giving us what we want. <laughs> and uh, and finally, sideburns. <laughs> Steve Sideburn just like couldn't get so, his no, together. So sideburns were named for General Ambrose Burnside. Okay. Who was a Civil War general. <laughs> I'm already thinking he did not like this nickname. <laughs> <laughs> he was a Civil War general. I want you to see what he looked like so we well, can talk about this. Well, you mean just say Civil War general and sideburns have already come to mind. Well, so there you go. That's what he looked oh, like. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> like, yeah. So uh-huh. he had he had his sideburns, which were connected directly to his mustache. Mm-hmm. And originally, this apparently quite atypical hairstyle at the time was referred to as Burnsides. But then at some point, for reasons unknown, it became... It got, got flipped and is now sideburns, which makes way more sense. The amount of work that he put into like maintaining work. and just like the sideburn volume here is it's, top it's, notch. It's we pretty incredible. What I in. love about this one is that sideburn 100% does not seem like it should be an eponym. It seems like it's descriptive. And yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's they're on your side. Yeah. Right. But the burn part makes no sense. Why are they burns? Yeah. There's no burn. Yeah, the reason is because he they were Scottish. <laughs> so you know, I, uh, there you go. I enjoyed this. Anytime we have like a like a list of things. Yeah. 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 I yeah. I yeah. just doing my own quick googling. Yeah, there's so many more. There's These so were just more. the ones that I decided to include. But I enjoy chauvinism. Here. Oh yes, I saw that. That's that's a, a good one. There's a prototypical somebody was so chauvinistic that it created the word and I guess idea. Apparently, there was a 19th century French soldier thought to be probably fictitious, um, but supposedly served under Napoleon and was. The sense that I'm getting here is that they were more coming from a, uh, excess patriotism, and it was less. Now we think of chauvinism as maybe being particularly. Um, misogynistic that's what oh, i think yeah of my, i don't know because Ma- it used to be male chauvinism but you can actually be chauvinistic about anything oh oh you exaggerated be... devotion devotion towards gender person or group oh okay yeah you can be chauvinistic about about you know your love of mustard i mean you know whatever oh how it's better than other condiments you know uh, so it's like kind of like just being uh like elitist kind of yeah in or, a way it's a bit yeah. preferring something and you know so yeah yeah and then maybe not shockingly Ferris wheel. No, that's less shocking. Shocking, yeah. Um, yeah. It, nicotine is another one that I saw, and uh, of course America is a, is an eponym. I feel like Amerigo de Vespucci is that, that his name. I feel like he's Amerigo Vespucci. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's been a little over <laughs> overcompensated <laughs> for his efforts in the scheme of you know people who contributed to. Yeah, he just he literally just drew one map and put his name on it. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, sure. North yeah. America, South America, United States of America, <laughs> you know. Nicotine, by the way, is named after another Frenchman, Jean Nicot de Villemont, who was a French diplomat and scholar and was the first to bring tobacco to France. And uh, nicotine was named after the 
tobacco plant Nicotiana tabacum, which in turn is named after Jean Nicot de Villemin. But at least like if that's the person who like popularized the thing. Whereas I feel like if Amerigo Vespucci, yeah, no, duh, not, just Vespucci. Amerigo Vespucci had not yeah. labeled, slapped his name on the continent, I think it probably still would have done fine. You think so? Yeah, I don't feel like he was. I mean, I'm just going out there on a limb <laughs> and guessing that North and South America, as a general thing, would have done okay. Would have done all right. Would have still still. <laughs> survive despite <laughs> his ignorance they certainly still would have been continents they would have still been continents and honestly if we just left them alone i mean it would have been disadvantageous for me uh for you as personally. i was i was born to uh you know descendants of, of settlers but right yeah yeah we also i think we mentioned before guy as in uh you know look at that guy, guy over there. Was, was the first eponym we talked about on the show which was yeah. Yeah, how guy actually refers to a specific guy mm-hmm. mr fox is, Guy, Guy Fox of the uh, of the Parliament Gunpowder Plot plan of, of the of the V for Vendetta mask November fifth yeah of number fifth November fifth fame mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a fun uh, I don't know if you ever watched rap ba- epic rap battles of history on YouTube but there's a <laughs> no fun... but every time someone mentions that I feel like this would be a good investment of my time they're excellent you should definitely mm-hmm, go watch mm-hmm. all of them but there's a great one between um, Guy Fox and Che Guevara. So the structure of epic rap battles of history are two people take the position of different historical figures and then perform a rap battle from their perspective. Well, the 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 internal sort of uh, reality the of the the world fiction. Thank you of the of the ERB plan is that these are the actual people who have somehow been maybe taken to rap world or something from uh-huh. from their position in history and given rapping skills. Like a Super Smash Brothers kind of thing, where yeah, these people come from different dimensions, but they've yeah. been brought here. Some, for the some very that I enjoy, mission. some that I enjoy include um, J. Robert Oppenheimer versus Thanos. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> so I okay, so the, uh, it's a pretty wide net character wise. Yeah, Gandhi versus Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, uh, Michelangelo, Leonardo, Donatello, and Raphael versus Michelangelo, Leonardo, Donatello, and Raphael, <laughs> where one are artists and one are turtles. Uh-huh, That's uh-huh. Uh, excellent. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a phenomenal series uh, that I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. Okay, link link this up in the in the show. We notes. shall, we shall indeed. Uh, we, we have some follow up this time though. Oh yeah, we do. I have a follow up. Do you have a follow? You have. A follow-up I have a follow up as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What do we yeah. got? What do we what did what did I screw up? No, no, this is not a screw up. I just wanted to point out for my follow up that we, you know, last time I did quite a bit on the electoral college. Mm-hmm. And uh a lot of the stuff we talked about in that episode is now very relevant in the news because like I've seen n number of articles about whether or not uh states can just ignore the votes of the people and send whatever electors they want. Which we discovered last episode, mostly no, but sometimes yes. Pretty much no, for the most part, no. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, other questions about sort of how this process works for reasons that are not at the expected one of like the popular vote and the electoral college vote not matching, but are rather like, how does the electoral college work in ways that might be subvertible? Yeah. So <laughs> it's just uh, kind of fascinating that, that faithless electors and, um, uh, legislature choosing and the fact that we talked last time about when that ended that the legislature chose and that in fact you're not actually even voting for candidates you're voting for electors uh the fact that we talked at all, all t- talked about all of that last time sort of feels feels as timely as i was hoping it would 
Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And but thankfully, mostly academic as far as we can I, tell. At least at this point, lawsuits Does not seem notwithstanding. To be probably a decisive factor very unlikely yeah i would say although i mean we just continue down the path of every election the gap in between how close the popular vote is and then how close the electoral i mean electoral college ended up being pretty decisive yeah not not particularly close but it didn't not as close as it feel like it should have been right it is worth noting that one party in the united states would have won depending on how you look at it either all but one or all of the elections over the last uh 20 years if we were only using the uh, popular vote. Yeah. Coincidentally, apparently one party does not support the popular vote. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why that. Hmm. Hmm. But oh, oh, and actually, sorry, this is a two part follow up, follow up, unless this was what you were going to do. But also we got the addition of Colorado to the national interstate yes. voting compact. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Which is awesome. That's super exciting. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, as we have mentioned before, uh, a very appealing solution. Top four favorite interstate compacts. compacts. Actually, I saw in like researching that. (laughs) Apparently, one of the the like plan because obviously people are planning uh, mostly Republicans because they often and recently have benefited from the popular vote. Not. Uh, deciding the election uh, have been like planning ways to oppose the interstate compact if it were to mm. come into law apparently mm. there's part of the constitution that actually uh, says that states are not supposed to make interstate compacts and then, <laughs> then there's legal wranglings about well the we claim then there's lawyers saying well the national popular vote interstate compact is not in fact an interstate compact <laughs> <laughs> because the constitution says we're not but well it's just called that but it's actually a so yeah, expect, uh, I mean, no one will be surprised by this probably, but expect legal shenanigans to I kind of wanted to vote it's all actually allowed. the rest of my life to getting this thing passed, but we'll see what happens. I mean, it seems like it would make the world a better place, but, you know, that's yeah. maybe a biased thing to say, but yeah. it seems like I the, if I can do the it people the... is reflected in the leadership of a country seems yeah. pretty good can I, to Can me, I do but... it while staying in the Black Forest? You can do it from the Black Forest. Sweet. I also have a little bit of follow-up on electric wagons, my vehicle, uh, the vehicle <laughs> of my dreams. Is this because I shamed you with my... Well, it reminded my, me, my... since we talked about this maybe three months ago or so, I was complaining about how it's quite difficult to find, at least in Canada, a uh, electric wagon. I mean, there's basically none you could buy or even anything similar to what I... Um, have been dreaming of which is like a moderately priced vehicle with a lot of storage in the back that is not a giant suv um that is electric uh, and uh so little bits of follow-up you were saying uh, i was saying about how we were going to get a garage and so i could then potentially have an electric car charger but also mm-hmm. didn't like the idea of uh, combusting uh, <laughs> gasoline in my garage yes um yes. then you were like whatever just you just deal with it and but no yeah. follow-up i do hate it <laughs> like it's still it just under <laughs> minds i just feels like there should not be uh combustion it it remains purely a problem in your brain but that's fine those are well i mean it might be a problem with my brain if there's too much carbon monoxide or whatever but we have uh we have all the carbon monoxide uh monitors and stuff like that um but uh a couple people pointed out we got various we've had feedback over the last few months so i just wanted to like acknowledge appreciate that um and that we've received a couple categories of feedback. One is people pointing out that if you get a hybrid uh, electric car, it doesn't need to be like primarily electric or even plug-in hybrid. You will typically, when you come into the garage, it'll just be on electric power because you'll be driving. That's so true. Cool. So yeah. there's no, that suggestion. It, yeah, pretty much always, unless you ran out of electric power. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, there was an article in the Globe and Mail, which uh, Canada's national newspaper, uh, that discussed why you have we a don't national have... newspaper. Well, like it's like our closest thing we have to like the New York Times, and okay. like it's if that's it's not probably, it's the most popular newspaper, sure. newspaper okay. in Canada. Um, okay. Talking about why there are no cars like this available in Canada, basically SUVs are the problem. But like, it yeah, about that in didn't we detail. talk about that? Well, there's an actual article which I can. Ah, I see someone um, other than us saying this. Yes, uh, the most popular recommendation that people had for me was the Hyundai Ioniq, which is not no, a wagon and no, doesn't have a ton of trunk no, space, but it has no. more than most of the other electric yeah, cars. It's also not that nice. It's not, <laughs> and it's well, hard to get. It's not that, well, they're all electric cars are hard to get, but the thing that I thought was interesting about the Ionic and the reason that I'm like mentioning it on the show, uh, if anyone else is like in the idea, thinking of maybe getting an electric car of that type, uh, is that the way that people were mentioning it was frequent, like multiple people saying, I have a Hyundai Ionic and I like it. Oh. Which well, is okay. different than like, oh, I went on, I was looking on a website and the list and I guess maybe the Hyundai Ionic. It was like, I have this and it, it is working well for me. So, and they're, they're pretty inexpensive. Well, I've only been in one once and I did not like it, but that was only one trip and I was a passenger. So, yeah. And then the last thing was that I was complaining about cargo space measurements, like, oh, this one has this many cubic feet and this one doesn't and blah, blah, blah. But uh, Sam wrote in to let us know that the way that cargo space is being measured is completely not consistent from manufacturer to manufacturer, (laughs) from car type to car type, and has also changed over time. And so you basically can't compare car space cargo space anyway in really any useful ways and um yeah so thanks sam gross for letting us know that everything is ruined and yeah what you actually need to do is for it to not be a pandemic yeah and then you go and look at a model y actually go yeah because that's even more ridiculous like a lot of these electric cars you can't even even in a non-pandemic situation they don't have like a whole bunch of them sitting on a lot it's like they're either back ordered or just like Tesla or some of these people just like order online, and then if you don't like it, then we'll take it back. <laughs> they don't. Yeah, I think I don't know. Does Tesla still do the we'll in, take in it like back, a year but... when the car actually comes? And uh. yeah, so yeah, it's all bad. Yeah. It continues to be bad. Thanks for your emotional support, everybody. And to Arik, who pointed out that if I live in Europe, I can get a <laughs> Chinese-made British <laughs> station wagon electric called the MG5. So that's very useful feedback. Yeah, you just live on the wrong continent. I just live on the long con. If if I could just change continents, not be in a pandemic, and for cars to exist that I want, then I could buy the car that I want. But yeah. it's not yeah. much to ask. Yeah. So. If wishes were horses, Alan. <laughs> what does that even mean? If you never heard wishes, that expression? No, if wishes were horses. Then I'd have a lot of horses. No. I'd be able to get out of Dodge. No. <laughs> Should I just keep guessing? Until There's I'd a probably... proverb. If wishes were horses, beggars would ride. If wishes were horses, beggars would ride. Okay. It's a proverb and nursery rhyme, first recorded about 1628 in a collection of Scottish proverbs. Like, is it longer than that, or is it just a really short rhyme? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's newer versions, like, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. If turnips were watches, I'd wear one by my side. No, if ifs and ands were pots and pans, there'd be no work for tinker's hands. Um, What was the context of all of that? (laughs) Uh, You know, man, if wishes were horses, you'd have the electric car you wanted. Oh, okay. Or I would just yeah. have a faster horse. Or just a faster that's horse. That's how the saying goes? Yeah. That's how it goes. <laughs> I think that's what they said. That's Henry Ford, right? In Scots. Yeah. Just don't don't look it up on the Scots Wikipedia. Not on the Scots Wikipedia, though. No. no. <laughs> 